All right, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Rev Ops Podcast. I am your horse host, of course, <laughs> Jordan Henderson. It's Monday morning. Get off me. It's already bad. It's already bad. All right. So I am joined today, as usual, by Brandon and Jonathan. Go ahead and do your thing, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Or whenever you're listening to this. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> this is yeah. too precarious. Precarious at best start. Um, all right. Jonathan said hi. Thanks, everybody. Um, and we have a special guest today. This is a guest episode. Um, it took us only 30 episodes to convince Howard that we were worthy of getting our CEO onto the RevOps podcast. So a, a big welcome to Howard Brown, the founder and CEO of Revenue.io. Welcome, Howard. It's great to be here. And uh, let's get real. It's not that it took you 30 episodes to get on here, get me on here. It took 30 episodes to get an invite. So <laughs> thank you for welcoming me. And uh, now I feel like a true VIP hanging out with you three gentlemen. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really what we're going for. I saw I noticed on your LinkedIn that it's you know, there's like a list of like Howard Brown has been featured in Bloomberg, Fox, Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, Business Insider and soon to be RevOps podcast added just on the tail end of that list. I assume we make the cut maybe ahead of Fox business. I think we're, we're somewhere oh, in there. I might have to rearrange who comes first, but yeah, being on the RevOps podcast is pretty much the highlight of my professional career. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're off to a strong start. So, so Howard is a serial entrepreneur, three, three companies, uh, three multiple companies, uh, former clinical psychologist, founder and CEO of RingDNA, now Revenue.io, and fun fact, Howard is my direct boss, so everybody listening, as I poke jabs, just realize I'm doing it precariously at best, because Howard is my, is my boss, um, but super excited to have you, Howard, because we actually have never done like a... Why Ring DNA? Why Revenue IO? Like, let's talk about the business a little bit. And I'd love to start there with, you know, why did you start Ring DNA, which is now Revenue IO? What's the story? I think people are probably more interested in why the heck did I hire you? Than <laughs> oh, <they laughs> I wonder that every day. They every know day. Why. Yeah, like, they know like why. Why, why did I choose you? Um, but we'll get there. So let's start. So, so Ring DNA. Yeah. So Ring DNA is really my fourth company. I founded two others that I had previously sold. And then the third company was a consulting firm that we rolled into Ring DNA because we built a absolute awesome product. And that product was to serve a, a very, very important need. And that was, and continues to be, how do we align all of this marketing information, all this customer information with the sales team in order to provide a better buying experience or customer experience for those who are looking for our, our, our customers' products or services. So quite a mouthful there, but it is really about putting the customer at the center of the universe because we're all customers at the end of the day. And how do we get and demand a better experience with our buying. So I, a question that I get all the time, well, maybe it's not a question. When I talk to colleagues, when I talk to friends and I tell them my CEO is actually a former clinical psychologist, I, I think that they're fascinated by that. So what, um, what uh, like background as a clinical psychologist do you think actually helped you become actually a tech founder and more specifically like serving RevOps and serving the sales function? Well, I think it, it helps me the most in dealing with people like Jordan, right? So <laughs> yeah. people that come in with serious 
behavioral conditions that just need a lot of attention <laughs> and TLC. So that's probably the way it helps me the most to be a tech founder. Um, in all seriousness, I, I've always... We're not going to get into my diagnosis on the... We're not going to list those We don't have time for that, Jordan. I can't break out the entire diagnostic <laughs> manual to try and figure out what's wrong with you. Actually, this whole job of yours is uh, intervention from your parents to figure out what's wrong with you. <laughs> they actually pay <laughs> us to employ you. So what... For me, look, it's the study of human beings. It's the study of problems. It's the working towards solutions. How do we help people? So whether it's uh, a background in psychology or technology, I'm completely focused on how do we deliver better outcomes? Those outcomes could be people's communication with one another. They could be people's interaction with brands. They could be how employees engage with one another in a healthier way. Um, and for me, I, I just find that technology is the great enabler of our time. It really allows us to use this incredible processing power, storage, pro storage power, to look at problems and solve them in ways that previously we only dreamed of. We've always thought about how do we get at marketing information? How do we get at sales information, customer support information, and use that information or data to solve customer problems, right? Because at the end of the day, the way to solve a customer problem is to understand that customer. It's to provide that customer with the best possible experience. Um, same thing with human relationships. How do we relate to one another? We relate to one another by understanding each other, by listening, by paying attention, by being thoughtful. So whether you're dealing with a spouse or loved one, your children, a lot of that, a lot of that experience, a lot of your, your ability to connect with one another, whether it's in the family or whether it's with your customers or prospects, is fairly similar. It's we need to understand people better. We need to understand what motivates them. We need to understand the outcome that we're looking for. And we need to optimize that experience for them and for ourselves. And most importantly, too, like in, in the moment, too, right? It's, it's all about um, being, being timely, being contextual, and in the moment, not, you know, let's, let's review this call you know, at the end of the week or whatever that might be, or sometimes never at all, or get that coaching. You're, you're jumping right to product and business. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but I think that, uh, go ahead, Jordan. It no, it's, it's, it's the same as all human relationships, right? Like if you, if you're trying, if you're building a relationship with somebody, like providing feedback, things like that are so important for relationship building. And when you talk about like feedback or even like just having a conversation with someone, doing that in real time, doing it in the moment is of course super important, right? So, so of course that plays into the product, like real time enablement, and, you know, that sort of thing. But um, just in general in relationships, it's so much, it's so important to be timely in the way you engage with people all the time. Exactly. Right. You exactly. shouldn't wait. Like, yeah, I'll give them that feedback. Like I have a call next Thursday. With <laughs> like the, the moment has passed, right? Like you, you should do that now, not later. Always pick up the phone. 
100%. And actually, you bring up a really important point, which was back when I was a clinical psychologist and I was in training, one of the most valuable tools I had at my disposal was I, I worked at a, a nonprofit uh, shelter for women who had been domestically abused. And because it was a training center, they recorded the sessions. And this is going back to how old I am. They actually used to videotape the sessions. <laughs> what was incredibly powerful, though, was my ability to spend time with my supervisor and watch how I interacted with my patient and what would happen when my patient would talk about information or situations that made me uncomfortable, I would do things like tap my knee, I would shake my foot, I might even uh, say ums or likes, I'd, I'd use filler words more and I watched the videotape of myself doing that and my supervisor pointed it out to me. It was incredibly powerful. That was one of those learning moments where we're able to use that game tape. We're able to use that real life situation to train and educate. And through that, we've used that same methodology, that same way of learning and growing to help sales teams, to help support teams, only by being able to view our own film, our own recordings, our own Zoom meetings, are we able to rapidly improve because nothing, nothing helps more than being able to see a situation in context and how we handled it to adjust. Because a lot of times, look, we all read books, we listen to podcasts, we have to listen to Jordan rapping all day long on the, on, on the RevOps podcast. Maybe you remember 1% of what he says. Hopefully, hopefully only 1%. But the truth of the matter is we retain very little. So how do we take our education and apply that to the very moment? And I think that's what you're talking about. It's taking that learning, taking that education, and making sure that we arm our front office, our, 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 our employees who are dealing with customers with that context, with that situational awareness so that they can live up to the moment. And that's what's so critical. Yeah, totally. By the way, for anybody listening who's sort of been on the RevOps podcast journey and has thought to themselves, I wonder why Jordan beats up on Brandon and Jonathan all the time. Now you know. It's because I'm getting beat up on all the time, too. And so I'm just passing that on, right? Like that, that is, that, this is just the chain of abuse is what's happening right now. And, 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 and Jonathan and Brandon were so excited to have Howard on this podcast episode because they were like, we're just going to sit back and watch him destroy you for an hour. Like they mentioned me that, and I was like, this is going to suck. Yeah, yeah. So, so thank you, Howard, for living up to the hype of that. And Jonathan and Brandon, just know you guys are going to get it like 10 times worse for the next two weeks. Yeah, we'll see. We'll so, see about that. Yeah. It, it's like big brother, little brother, right? Yeah. Like we're all one big happy family. Right. We show a lot of love. We abuse one another. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we really care about each That's other. Right. So, that's right. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's so, why we so, do it. <laughs> exactly. We've talked about like why Ring DNA, why you started all that thing. And we did a whole episode, myself and William actually did a special episode on the rebrand and what the rebrand meant to us and why it was important to us. But but I, I've actually, I don't know, I've heard your take on this, Howard. What, um, why the rebrand? Ring DNA became revenue.io. Why the rebrand? Yeah, look, I think it's more than just a rebrand. I think it's, we, we, we've been in the business of aligning sales, marketing, and success and support teams for the past five years. 
Um, we, we had the name Ring DNA because our, our foundational roots were really about connecting callers with the right agent at the right time or the right sales rep with all of that context, hence the DNA of every caller. Right, which was critical and an important piece of the information and a part and part of the company. And we still do that today. We believe that telephony and the marketing source that led to phone calls or the, the CRM data that's, that's uh, presented to a rep or, or, or a salesman in the moment is critical. However, we also started instrumenting and optimizing the entire revenue journey, right? From the first touch to the content that people ingest to the reps that they talk to, to the various outreach or engagements that they have, whether it's through SMS, email, phone calls. We also hyper-focused on recording conversations and Zoom meetings and then providing coaching and feedback. That to me and to us is really what RevOps is about. It's about instrumenting and optimizing the entire buyer's journey. And our legacy brand, Ring DNA, while incredibly powerful in the market because we've served amazing enterprises like AWS and Hewlett Packard Enterprise and Cvent and Autodesk and SAP and all these incredible customers, they, they use our product for far more than visibility into their phone calls. They use it to align their revenue teams, to make sure that the systems that they have in place gives them that single source of truth from marketing all the way to pipeline close and ultimately success of their customers. And so it was just time. The market was talking uh, you know, for a while about how we needed to adjust to really align with what we were doing and what we were saying. Um, it's hard though, right? Changing a, a brand after years um, is, is like renaming your kid. It's, it's, it's not an easy thing, right? Uh, are you on mute, Jordan? Jordan, it sounds like your mic went out. Like I hear a buzz too, and I think that's coming from yeah. your mic. Which I think is totally fine. I think we can go on without him again. <laughs> here he goes again. This is the best episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> Your mic is actually on mute there, Jordan. Let me uh, let me let me try and educate you on how to use your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Typical you know, Jordan. For somebody who describes himself as Adonis, it really is nice to just look at him and not have to hear him. It's really. <laughs> can you guys hear me now? Yeah. There he is. Back. Oh, man. Oh, I wow. had to sit and listen to that crap for the last 30 <laughs> seconds. And we're going to leave that in the episode because I want everybody to know what sort of shit I deal with on a daily basis. <laughs> uh, um, all right. So you guys can hear me now. I'm back. Yeah. Now. I'm back. We're back. Cool. Okay. So, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like the, the rebrand was to catch the brand up to align with what the product is actually doing in the marketplace. Right. In a lot of ways. You got it. Absolutely. That, that was the core focus. Um, so, so you were, you were recently featured in a Forbes article. We'll put that right below RevOps podcast on things you've been featured in RevOps podcast than Forbes, I think is, is the priority there. Uh, we, we have way more dedicated listeners, obviously. Um, but there were three, you actually touched on a thing in there. You actually said, uh, so you were featured in Forbes article and in it, you meant 
mentioned modern song teams need situational awareness, which I thought was such a sweet phrase to use because I, I played football and situational awareness is like the thing, right? That, that's it's it's being aware of everything around you and, and such a good way to describe what you're trying to provide here. And there were three guidance capabilities you noted that all enablement tech needs to have. Um, first one was engage and collect data from across buyer and customer touch points, including data from marketing, which I think is super important. I want to talk about this one. And I know Jonathan's going to want to talk about this one because if you say the word data, Jonathan's <laughs> mind goes just into rabbit holes that nobody can understand. And so I'm sure he has questions. But what are, what are some, like, what are the important, if I'm going to start this, right, I'm going to capture a whole bunch of this data from across buyer, customer journey, marketing, sales, customer success, even finance, right? There's data for your customer in all of those places. Where do I start? What are the most important data sets and why are they important? Well, depends, it depends on your organization, right? So hopefully you're starting with your CRM data because if, if, if you're a organization that's today selling to B2B or B2C, hopefully you're collecting all that information in your CRM application. So that's a great place to start. Now, having said that, it's definitely not enough, right? Asking reps to put their information manually into a CRM is... It's like asking my kid to make his bed, right? It's just not going to happen. It's, it, it's, top, it's definitely not the top priority. And that was one of the reasons we really focused on the telephony engagement piece in the early years. It was reps aren't putting their phone calls in CRM. Matter of fact, they're not putting their emails or any activity. What they're doing is they're taking their most advanced most likely to close opportunities and throwing them in there. And basically you have no visibility into how they engage, who they engage, what works and what doesn't work, right? And so the whole idea of this entire exercise is building a system, basically a revenue and growth engine from start to end. And so how do we do that? One, we make sure we collect all engagement data. So that is the phone calls, that is your emails, that is your SMS, that could be uh, your chatbots. Collecting that data in CRM is critical. So once you've collected your engagement data, that's the starting point. Now, how, what do I do with it? Well, I, mm -hmm. I have a bunch of data. Well, it needs to align to hopefully the proper opportunities or leads or contacts, right? Because if you have a dirty database, right? You have multiple contacts, the same person in your CRM. Well, then when you engage with that contact, which record are you updating? So data cleanliness, data hygiene is a critical piece because if all I'm doing is picking and choosing which contact to update the record on, then it's not going to give me a holistic picture of how you engaged with that customer, that, that, that contact, that company. So making sure that your cleanliness of your, of your CRM is also critical, right? Huge, huge place to start. Make sure, and it's hard, right? Like we yeah. all know data hygiene is a disaster. So you have to start with engaging, right? Engagement data, collect it, put it in CRM, make sure you have some data cleanliness happening. That's a great place to start. 
Yeah, totally agree. Quick shout out to Cloud Dingo on top of that. Uh, obviously, obviously, getting revenue IO product like ours that actually captures that engagement data and puts it on the right people, huge piece of this. And then when you go to data hygiene, we use Cloud Dingo, and it's like one of the greatest tools to just clean your database to make sure that your data is accurate and hygienic. Because to your point, grabbing all that data, if it's not hygienic, it's still mostly useless. It needs to be clean, right? Yeah, so, so many orgs will have the same contact as a lead and then the same person has a contact in their database and the object relationships just get all kinds of messy. So definitely agree that cleanliness is, is king in this. Well, and you take it back to, to like what Howard's talking about, grabbing all the engagement data. If the same lead or contact exists six times and I'm logging calls to each of them at different times, I don't actually have a clean data set for what's going on with that, that person, that account, that customer, right? Because I'm looking at it in six different places. So I don't see the total picture, which is what I need to see. I need to be able to see the full picture in order to make accurate decisions. And so, yeah, and going back to the marketing data, right? So let's say you do a great job, you have your website up. You have, you have prospects coming to your site. They're engaging with your content. They fill out a web form. The web form then creates a new lead in Salesforce. You already have this person in there, but now your rep reaches out immediately to that, that contact or that, that lead. Well, guess what? They're actually a customer of your company, and now you're reaching out like you have no clue who they are. Well, what yeah. kind of customer experience is that? They have to remind you that they're one of your customers and they're actually interested in another product or service you provide. Well, guess what? You've just failed them. Yeah. They're paying you. They are your customer. How about treating them like they are? How about making sure that the account owner gets in contact with them who already has that relationship? How about making sure you know that they have two support tickets with your organization that are unresolved before you go and try and sell them something else? So... That, that is why it is critical to make sure your marketing engine, your sales engine, your support engine are all working together because guess what? You're one customer yeah. and that customer is really important. And in today's environment, companies that will win and succeed versus those who will not are those who treat their customers like gold. And the way to do it is start off on this revenue journey, this revenue operations focus. Make sure you're aligning your marketing data with your sales data, with your support data, with your customer CS data. Only then, that unified view, can you treat every customer like they're the VIP that they deserve to be. Because in a SaaS world where you have tons of different choices and the switching cost is not that high, companies that provide that best experience, best of breed, are those who we, we will be talking to about and to for a very long time. Those who don't will be left behind. Totally agree. Yeah, it's... it's um. I think it's really easy for businesses to see, especially as businesses that are in very large siloed ways, right? To see like, oh, we have a great customer experience team, customer support, customer success are great. So our customers are super happy, but that's actually just one piece of the puzzle of how you treat your customers. The buyer's journey, equal important to that. The marketing approach to your current customers, equally important to that, right? All of that goes into making your customers feel like they're really cared for and, and actually caring for them, not just making them feel like it, actually giving a crap about your customers and caring for them and giving them a gold experience from top to bottom through through literally pre-customer and then through the whole process, right? All of it's very important and, and kind of the basis of RevOps is aligning to that, right? And that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Talk about RevOps. Jonathan, do you want to add anything on the data piece? I know you're itching. 
Uh, no, I, I just completely agree with everything Howard said. I think our product has been building to that point and it, it's only getting better and better. So just very excited to be here and working on a product that does so well tackling this space. Well, I, Jonathan, thank you for that. Obviously, uh, Jonathan's on the payroll, so you say those very hey, kind hey, things. Jonathan, but... I got some more buns in the kitchen if you want to kiss those too. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, he's not all that nice all the time. So don't, don't even try. But, but I think that, look, Jonathan, you are a data mastermind. And so that is really a critical part of what we're doing here, right? So it's understanding our customers but it's also understanding our revenue teams, right? It's not just understanding the customer in and of itself. It's understanding our marketing sources, what's working, what's not, what's working and what part of the buyer journey. It's also understanding which rep is performing well in what situation and analyzing what your best performers are doing versus the rest of your team, right? What's working and what's not from marketing to your sales engagement, to the conversations they're having, to the cadences or sequences that they're sending out to the coaching sessions you're providing those reps. That is a massive data, a data exercise. You are taking hundreds of terabytes of data across customers and conversations and Zoom meetings and trying to apply many different machine learning models and then asking reps and supervisors to annotate or tag that data in context while providing that feedback, there is where you build artificial intelligence, right? It's the idea that you're using your tools to make your team better but what you're also doing is you're making your data more intelligent. You're making your learning models better. You're developing true AI. And that's what separates most of these players out in the space. They're point solutions that don't align with other sources of data and don't provide the kind of workflow and human intervention to truly create artificial intelligence. Yeah, totally. And that sort of touches up on, I think, the second bullet in your Forbes article is then analyze the data using AI and machine learning to inform conversations, read customer signals, suggest you know, next best, best actions and better answers and better approaches to everything, right? And by the way, we will, we will uh, take the Forbes article and, and Alec, make a note, we're going to put that in the podcast posting so people can, can easily access it because it's a great article. There's Howard's in there. There's a handful of people as well. Yeah, um, look, I think that what we're, what we're seeing today is an environment where there is so much money being thrown at companies to accelerate growth, to see just massive, massive growth, uh, massive multiples are being offered for companies that are growing. Um, the expectations are that you're supposed to, you know, more than 50% year over year, a hundred percent, 200%. And so, Convincing a CEO uh, usually starts at the board level, starts with investors, because what they're saying is, look, we put money in your business. You're not growing as fast as we would like. Or Wall Street is saying you're not growing as fast as you, we would like. And therefore, you better take a look at your growth engine and figure out what's working and what's not. And that means, do we spend more on marketing? Do we spend more on sales? Do we fire our sales leader? What's going on with our customer engagement? So there's all of these pressures that most C-level executives are facing. And so what have they done historically? Well, they've hired more. 
We hire more reps, right? Bring more reps on board. We bring in more technology. We buy marketing automation. We buy sales automation. We buy uh, sales acceleration, sales engagement, uh, CPQ. We buy tools and we're adding more and more and more. Well, here's the problem. We're adding more expense and we may be making incremental gains in productivity across the entire organization, but that's not going to carry the day. We're actually creating more complexity and we're creating a situation that ultimately is not going to allow us to optimize the entire revenue journey. And therefore, it makes it super easy to ask a C CEO, hey, are you getting the results you expect from your marketing team, from your sales team, from your support team? I, there are very few CEOs who said, yes, absolutely, we're exceeding every target and I plan on doing it and I'm sure we're going to do it. Guess what? There is a lot of great technology out there. There are a lot of great companies out there. But at some point, we have to ask ourselves, are we getting the return on investment that we expect across these teams and this technology? Most of the time, the answer is no. If the answer is no, then it becomes, well, how do we do better? Well, we do better by looking across the entire stack, by looking across the entire revenue organization and starting to look at where can I optimize? Where do I focus to deliver the best results across this organization? Well, the only way I can do that is one, centralizing the data. I need a holistic look of what's going on so that I know what to prioritize, right? Should I prioritize my marketing? Should I prioritize the way we engage with our customers? Should I prioritize my coaching? Are we hiring the right reps? Are we ramping them fast enough? There are all kinds of questions that are in the minds of a CXO, a CEO, of a RevOps leader. And so where do we start is always a great question. Well, where to start is, are you getting the return on investment that you expect? If the answer is no, okay, that is a great opportunity to look across your revenue operations to, to start to focus on where we need to improve. And I think, you know, using a, a, a psychology analogy, it's rare that a couple comes in for counseling and tells you they have absolutely no problems, right? Like, like <laughs> first of all, that's, that's like a CEO saying, I love our revenue organization. Everything's perfect. And then when you talk to the couple, right? Chances are it's more complex than he's just being a jerk or she's not being kind enough, right? It, it's a lot of different issues across the relationship. It's complicated and you start to diagnose, you start to look at where to focus your attention, where to start to improve their relationship. Where do I start with my revenue organization? Because I know there's a lot of areas to focus on, right? but I need to prioritize. But only if I'm able to see across this entire thing, am I, am I able to establish where would I put my focus? Just like we're asking reps to create a process that diagnoses and then prescribes that next best action. Same thing from the management level. Where, what is my next best action that will deliver the best result? And I want to add to that too. I think it's also important just that 
whether you're talking about a couple or a company that, that there's just alignment that they feel like they're working for the same purpose and they're on the same team. I think a lot of companies miss that and they're all just so focused on their one individual area and they're not looking at the big picture at all. Oh, yeah, right. I, you're, you're spot on. And I think that alignment is critical, right? If you have a, a CEO and a leadership team that looks at the entire organization and is focused on how do we align Right. How, how do we make sure sales is talking to marketing, marketing's talking to sales, not, not that they're talking at each other, not that they're pointing fingers. Same thing with CX. Yeah. Same thing with CX and support. How about creating KPIs that the entire company can align on? How about creating OKRs that we as a team can really focus on? Because it's not just about me hitting my quota and my number. It's about the health of the organization. It's about the enterprise value of our company, of which we are all shareholders, so that we can build a healthy organization. That is what it's about. And so establishing things that work across the organization like Pipeline generation, that's not simply the responsibility of marketing, right? Marketing's job is not just to create an MQL and throw it over the fence and sales has sales accepted leads and and, and then you have sales qualified opportunities and then you have quota and quota attainment and forecast. It's the entire organization's focus. It's that alignment that drives better results. And so you need leadership that is bought into the idea that we're not gonna do things in the traditional way. We're going to advance, we're going to grow, we're going to look at how we can better align. And that's what you guys talk about week in and week out is revenue operations as a tool, as leverage to help organizations grow. And you guys are spending a lot of time educating today's RevOps leaders on what they need to do, where they need to focus. And that intelligence, that focus on the metrics that matter is what's going to lead this next generation of leaders, um, you know, upwards and onwards. Totally. This is a perfect segue into my next question, which is where do you see RevOps going in three years? Well, hopefully, hopefully it penetrates just about every company out there, right? The idea that if you're not operating in a RevOps model, chances are you're falling behind. You're, you're a laggard and, and you most likely will be suffering from earnings problems, uh, missing forecasts, uh, unsatisfied customers. So three years from now, Look, you you better have alignment across your organization. You better have products that have visibility into marketing sales support. You better have teams that have products that provide guidance, real-time guidance, that provide real-time coaching opportunities, that are able to surface which reps or which employees need more training in that moment. Because if you don't, If you don't, one, your customers aren't going to stay, and two, your employees are going to go work for companies that offer tools that help them grow, that help them be more informed, that help educate and train them so that they can have upward mobility within their organization or within their own career. No, I totally agree. Yeah, and so then then becomes the logical question of, of 
what needs to happen for us to get there in three years, right? Like, what are the blockers from, from that happening? First off, everybody listening to this, send this episode to one friend and we'll spread the RevOps gospel to the world. Everybody do that, <laughs> of course, because like this, this podcast is meant to promote the RevOps framework in a lot of ways, right? Like, that's what we're doing on a weekly basis. And so, obviously, more and more of this sort of stuff will, will help us get there. But what, what, how do we get there? What prevents that from happening? Uh, I think that I think like anything, it's that first set of steps, right? It's it's making that commitment to change, and it's it's taking a look at your organization and your way of thinking and your structure, and asking yourself some hard questions. And 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 the hard questions may be: Am I committed to real change, and what is required to make real change? Um, that's the hardest part. The actual change is not as hard as committing to the change, right? So it's, it's, it's deciding that I'm willing to look at anything. I'm willing to focus and be open to new ideas and new challenges. I'm willing to adopt technology and I'm willing to research and, and think about the things that I've known and done in my career for a very long time the same way. And I think once sales leaders, RevOps leaders are open to change in any area, it becomes way easier. It becomes a process of enabling a technology like Revenue.io uh, and immediately you're able to see areas that you can improve to deliver better results quickly. And so it's, it's not that hard. It really isn't. It's, the hard part is committing to the change followed by just the amount of information and misinformation that exists. Like everybody has a different definition of what RevOps is and everybody has a sales enablement tool and everybody has a sales engagement tool and everybody's talking about alignment. So there's a lot of information that exists out there. What I urge you to do is really talk to those you trust. Talk to those who have made progress on this journey. Um, you know, organizations like Gartner and Forrester are spending a lot of time studying revenue operations on, on growth. I, I urge you to pay attention to the type of things that they're writing about and, and where they're focused because there's just so much noise in the ecosystem and I think people are overwhelmed. And so, you know, listen to podcasts like the RevOps podcast, listen, listen to uh, those you trust and respect. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conversations happening and, and uh, it's not as hard as you think. Yeah, totally I, yeah I, I love that because it's like, you know, take information from here, take information from there, take information from wherever you want. And I feel like, like, I don't care what the actual definition of RevOps is, right? As long as you're thinking about it, as long as you're willing to, you know, challenge your own thinking and your status quo uh, and, and start to make progress. And I, I think, I think that is kind of the, the, the main takeaway here is don't overcomplicate it. I just, just, Take those first steps, you know, and I, I think yeah, people that are listening to this probably are, you know, on on a great path. And the other thing too is like it it really does feel like it starts with the customer, right? You can all be aligned, but you can still be like, you know, us focused. That's not gonna get you to RevOps success. I think if you're aligned and you're aligned around the customer and what you can provide to the customer and how to make their experience better, I feel like that's that's when you're heading in the right direction. 
Yeah. And I know you didn't ask me the question, but I wanted to answer it anyway, Jordan. <laughs> I, I was just waiting for you to like drop a book name. Oh, I read this book by so-and-so. <laughs> Typically how you respond to everything. And we get it. You know how to read. Congrats. Like, it's, More it's, than I can say for, for you, Jordan. But, but I actually think there's, because um, I've said it on here a few times, and I still think it's super, super important, is there's, an, there's a prepositional phrase at the end of the RevOps definition that is super important, which is aligning to the buyer's journey. And, and exactly. looking at, like people are like, it's about alignment. It's alignment to the buyer's journey. And the reason that's really important is not just because it's pre-sales and then they become a customer. Your customers are your biggest buyer. They continue to be a buyer. They're your, one of your biggest sources of future revenue. So you continue to sell to them throughout their entire life cycle, right? And so when you say to the buyer's journey, you're not just saying top of funnel down to deal close. You're saying top of funnel through they're no longer a customer anymore. Like they are, they are a buyer through that entire thing. And that's super important to note. So I love that you went down that rabbit hole. Preach, preach. Soapbox. As it pertains to your internal employees, I think helping them overcome that fear of change is so important. I've been through a lot of major implementations and just seeing firsthand how employees can get very stuck in their ways and really feel like they don't want to change their job up because they're comfortable, they're good at it, they know what they're doing. So you have to help employees feel comfortable with the change. And that's Got not it. always easy. It's almost like I had to spend like a year convincing you <laughs> change or something. Like you have had experience firsthand. I, I it's, it's kind of what you're referencing. He's on the other journey. side. He's enlightened now. Yeah. <laughs> like you're on the back end. You're yeah. like, I'm to do that. But yeah, it's almost like I spent a year trying to sell that. <laughs> for, for a long well, clearly it works. So yeah, yeah, there you yeah, go. I'm well set. Set. <laughs> yeah there, was, there was definitely some fear to unpack with Jonathan in the in for a long time. <laughs> Um, cool. Anything else you guys want to add? Otherwise, I'm going to segue us to our last thing. Let's do it. All right. So, of course, it is time for this week on LinkedIn. And it's a bit of a lengthy question. I'm going to read most of it, and then I'm going to try to summarize it. So, uh, the question comes... I'm actually not going to say who it comes from this week, because it, it might be more of a private one. But my, my roadmap is to introduce lead scoring, lead rounding, and lifecycle marketing at the same time as getting our Marketo instance up and running. The thing is, there's so much technical debt and so many marketing tools that don't work. Then there's sales tools that I need to make work with this introduction of lifecycle marketing, and it's supposed to all be done in two weeks. On top of all that, demand now comes to me asking all their questions, and I can't answer them because we're currently planning to execute on ABM when our inbound and outbound processes are half-existent or non-existent, and we're not tracking anything with UTMs, Pardot campaigns, anything like that. They work about 50% of the time. So, all that said, once I get once I get past this two weeks and get all of this propped up, then should I pivot to reporting and dashboards so I can provide data to the team or and pivot to reporting and dashboards and just keep the broken tech in the peripheral while dealing with manual work that arrives every week without warning or should I go fix the, fix the broken tech, right? So the, the, the essential question is there's a lot to do. <laughs> Whoa. The question really <laughs> yeah. is, I think, how do I choose what to prioritize? I think that's Ooh. the basis of this question. Do I prioritize the projects that the execs have put me on that are and just deal with the amount of massive human effort that comes with doing that because the tech is broken? Or do I back burner those, prioritize fixing the broken tech? And I'd love everybody's take on this because this is a hell of a question. When I have a mountain of work ahead of me, I always prioritize what's going to bring money in the door first. That would be always where I start and then figure the rest out after that. But I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. 
Well, my, my, my thoughts usually always like, what's going to set us up for longer term success? Like, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit now if we're not going into further debt, right? Because if, if we keep pushing it out and we push it out and we push it out, it's going to be 10 times a headache to deal with in the future. So my mind always goes to I, well, like, what's still acceptable right now, but will actually set us up better for the future. Yeah, I, I always I always ask myself a question. There's one question I think is super super important, and I think it's super important for RevOps particularly, which is what what's in the best interest of the business. And so I would look right. at this and I would take a step back and say, okay, here's the nine things that I need to get done, and I have to prioritize a couple of them. Right? What is the thing on this list that is in the best interest of the business? So it's not a short term thing. It might be a long term thing, but evaluate it based on the answer to that question and choose that way. And and, and the thing is going to happen, right? I get it. It's hard sometimes if an exec is asking you for a bunch of stuff and you're like, great, but like I'm looking at it and I've determined that actually fixing the tech stack is the most important thing and best for the business right now, which is probably where I would land in this question, right? I would land on fixing the tech because I think that's the best interest of the business long term. I have to then tell the exact, hey, this is, I, I, I understand you need these things and I understand that's all true, but I need to prioritize this because I think that's in the best interest in the business. And the result is one of two things. They're pissed because they want the thing that they want and, and that's fine and I will deal with the fallout from that. And if I get fired for that, then maybe I don't work there anymore. And that's okay, yeah. right? Because Are you threatening me? Is that what you're doing? I've never had this problem because, it, it, but the reality is, is most of the time, if I go to that exec and I explain, I decided that this, in my opinion, was by far in the best interest of the business. Here's the reasons why I think that's true and why we're going to prioritize that. We're still going to get to the things you do. And by the way, when we get there, the data is going to be better. You're going to get better better data as a result. You're going to have more informed decisions. Your tech is going to work better. You're going to have an easier flow. It's just going to take a bit of time. I've never had an exec be like, well, screw you. You should have done what I told you to do first. Like th there, there has to be some trust there, right? Obviously. But th that's how I would approach almost all these things is asking that question. But also I would love your take, Howard. Well, who might argue with you, Jordan? It seems like <laughs> you have the right, right approach and right yeah, idea. Yeah. It's, uh, Jordan knows everything. Yeah. I mean, that's a, I think it was like a 12 point question. So lots to unpack there, <laughs> but in terms of prioritization, like that, that should be a joint exercise between you and your executive or executives, right? Your, your ability to articulate um, the mountain of work and your evaluation of those programs or, or projects that you need to do um, and then essentially prioritize an order for that, it involves communication, right? So your ability to talk to who, whomever your executive is in a way that you as a RevOps leader, you've been entrusted to look at all of these projects and prioritize them based on your expertise. Um, let you do your work is probably a, you know a, a good way of doing it. But having said that, you have to have the trust, right? You have to trust your folks that they're going to do the right things for the business. But also, there, I mean, you also as an employee have to be able to communicate and articulate and talk about why you're prioritizing it in the, in this way. So you don't just run out and go do it. You need to communicate yeah. back and you need to talk about not only the fact that you're, 
not going to do it right now, but set expectations for when the rest of these projects will get done. Yeah. yeah and totally. maybe even making a punch list and working with that executive to say, okay, this is my first task I'm going to tackle. This is how long it's going to take me. And then I'm going to tackle these after that. And then just make sure they agree with that. And if you're aligned on that, then it shouldn't be as stressful as it sounds like he is now. And I think he needs to mitigate some of that. <laughs> you're yeah. assuming it's a he. Or she, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but but to your point, Howard, the other valuable piece of that is is like say you and I sit down and we work we we have twelve things and we decide here's what we're going to prioritize because this is what we've decided is best for the business, right? Then three days later, if I get a ping from somebody else, hey, can you jump in and help with this for two days? I I have the autonomy at that point to say no, I cannot because I have determined with Howard we have sat down and decided these are the things that are highest priority. I need to work on those. And then I'll get to your thing, like add it to the list, right? But it allows me, it creates a, a bit of a shield for the person doing the work to then sort of set expectations elsewhere on, on timelines of different projects and things as they come in. Because the reality of most of our RevOps people and probably most of our listeners is it's not just one person asking you for things. It's usually about 35 people pinging you. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And they're all great projects, but just time is a, time is a limiting factor. And so it creates, a, it creates a prioritization that you can use to continue working on those projects and shield yourself from, from being distracted down the road. And the last thing you want to do is overextend yourself, especially if you're moving into a Marketo marketing automation migration. If you don't have full focus on that, you can mess some things up and you're going to just create more work at the end of the day. And it always takes longer than you expect and more resources and more budget and more everything. That mm-hmm. By the way, I mostly picked this question because I knew reading off that list of like marketing ops related things would just give Jonathan constant so anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can't yeah. see him on the podcast, but he's dripping sweat. <laughs> he's not got his arms crossed. He's like yeah. curled up under a blanket later, just freaking out. So it's mostly just to cause that anxiety. But anything else you want to add to that answer? Just that I the reason we at revenue.io um, have elevated Jordan and RevOps to a direct report for me is for this very reason, right? I I want people who are able to think autonomously, who are able to look across the business and help me and the rest of the executives prioritize. Because that's the idea. What do we prioritize to optimize the business, to deliver the best value, to deliver the best results? And if you know everybody's barking a bunch of different things and you don't know which way to turn, nothing's going to happen. You're going to end up with, sorry, Cheesecake Factory, you're going to end up with a menu of 75 <laughs> things and nothing's all that tasty, right? So, so focus, prioritize, um, achieve mastery, and then move forward. Yeah, it's love great. It. I love. Isn't it, what's the quote? The 186 items on the menu, so you know they're all good. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. the, <laughs> um, cool. I love it. Awesome. Thank you, Howard, for for joining this week, Brandon and Jonathan. I guess we'll have you back next week as co-hosts. Yeah, you, yeah you appreciate it. Right. Can we talk about that? Is that open discussion as well? It is, it is. <laughs> no discussion. Nope, no discussion. Uh, but uh, but thank you for joining, Howard. Everybody listening, follow Howard on, on LinkedIn. He he mentioned a bunch of resources and like following the right people and listening. Howard actually shares a lot of things from other people as well around RevOps and, and things that you can learn from that are really really helpful to me. He sends them to me usually directly as well, and so I I do read most of them and they're 
they're, they're very good. Um, so follow him on LinkedIn, follow myself, Brandon, Jonathan. And of course, if you're listening this far in, give us five stars and share this episode with a friend because that's how we do it. And send us your questions for this week on LinkedIn, obviously. Um, thank you so much for joining Howard and we will see everybody next week. Thanks guys. This was a lot of fun. Thanks Howard. Thank you. Bye guys.